This is Paul Nobles from Eat and Form, and once again, I am with my cohort, cohorts, uh, Becky Avara. Becky is the leader of our coaches and in charge of it. What's your title, Becky? I, I, I keep forgetting. I knew you couldn't remember it long term. I, Director of Coaching. There we go. Um, and uh, Carolyn Maley was also one of our lead coaches. Um, we pretty much have her here because she's Canadian. And so we wanted to make sure that uh, we were representing, you know, more of the world. And, and so we pay her in loonies and toonies. Um, and uh, so, yes, people, people will come in and ask, you know, do you guys allow Canadians? And it's like, no, I don't think with COVID we can do that anymore. You know? But <laughs> it's awesome. Um, yeah, but no, we do allow Canadians. Uh, we also have the end of our challenge. And uh, many people who just signed up, you're probably not going to have a great chance at winning. <laughs> um, but as many people know, the challenges go weekly. And so the more you're participating, the better that is. And then this is the week that we are giving away the total, which is uh, something that we're really excited about. We don't normally give away a, a grand prize like that, but we decided to do it because, you know, it's we're going into our 10th year of existence. And so we're going to do something kind of fun that people would get really excited about. And it, it seems to have worked. So much so that we're running it back. So we have a new challenge that's going to be starting on the 4th of April. That one's only going to be eight weeks long. And, um, you know, same rules, basically. We did last year, we did like a March Madness thing. And we had brackets. And then if you advanced on, um, you won... And you won like literally every prize on the list, which was kind of fun. But the problem was, is by, by the time it was over, no one was even remotely interested in the challenge. So when one person wins all these great prizes, you know, even to the top four, won like really great prizes along the way. Um, but, you know, it was very very disinteresting to a lot of people. So it was a fun thing to try. We're going to move back to the weekly. It's working exactly like the the challenge that we have right now, which has been going great. We've given away a ton of prizes uh, so far. Apple Watches, Loops. Um, feels like the, the one that was the most popular, though, was the water bottle, um, which, you know, go figure. Um, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. Hopefully it's kept everybody motivated along the way. And uh, yeah, so we um, wanted to get into the topic today, which is basically performance slash recomp, which is PR. PR is the foundation on basically what each reform is built, right? It's the period where you're not dieting. And so I'm going to walk you through the difference between performance um, and recomp. And then we, when we get to the Q&A portion, we're going to talk about nothing but fat loss because that's how these work. Um, but this 
you know, we, we, um, for the longest time we had these split up. And so we have a lot of new people that are in this class. And the reason why we combined this one with the other one is because we always had a great turnout similar to today um, with the new people. And then the people that have been around enough, they're like, maybe had enough of me um, or whatever, but we didn't quite get the turnout that we thought we would get and wanted people to have access. So we're just adding them into um, the, the new meeting. So when I talk about PR, if you're been around us forever, you're like, well, of course I know that Paul, right? Well, there's 30 people here that might not know it because they just joined within the last two to three weeks or something like that. So I'm going to try and cover it um, on both sides, right? The more advanced stuff. And then also the stuff where um, we're kind of introducing people to the concepts of our performance and why we do it. Cause I can tell you one thing why we don't do it is marketing, right? You know, I look at these, uh, so for the longest time, Weight Watchers, you know, they would do the marketing and then you would have tacos at Oprah's house. You remember those commercials, right? <laughs> it was filmed in Oprah's house and then she's having tacos and everyone's having a party. And I'm thinking, man, most of the people on Weight Watchers, you know, they're not having this kind of fun. Um, and then now um, the Weight Watchers just, you know, there's a lot of talk about alcohol, right? So yes, you can have wine with our plan. You know, um, I will tell you that uh, we highly recommend against wine during fat loss phases. Um, PR phases are great for wine. And so um, that's probably the difference between our program, you know, uh, you know, eating 1200 calories and then trying to fit in 250 calories worth of wine, um, probably not a great idea, right? So um, so I just wanted to just to say that like the, the whole concept of Eat to Reform is based on science, right? And it's based on the science that, that not dieting most of the time is actually better. Um, it, you know, it's been done somewhat in the bodybuilding world. I mean, the bodybuilding world, you know, for the most part, um, really are professional dieters, right? Now the people that, you know, get a little help and things of that nature, most of those people are eating, you know, eight to 10,000 calories. Uh, Eden form is not eight to 10,000 calories, obviously, but it is based on the idea that if you're trying to maintain you know, uh, fat loss and muscle gain, that there have to be periods where calories spike up. And that's what performance slash recomp is. So we're going to walk through why it's performance slash recomp, right? So performance is really more of endurance type of work, right? Um, even something like a CrossFit, kind of comes close to what performance should be, right? Um, recomp is a little bit more weightlifting, right? And, and it's always interesting because there's a lot of people that see the, the pictures of, of people lifting weights 
And they're like, well, what if I don't lift weights? What if I run? Guarantee you that more than half of the database are runners, right? But there's just not a lot of good ways to show those videos, right? And so I always feel like our, our runners, who many of us know from the files, right? We're talking to them all the time. You know, we do encourage them to have some weight training. But if you're looking at the people with the absolute highest macros, right? It's usually going to be the runners. And oh, by the way, you know, even the weightlifters, we always do encourage them to have some cardio in the mix, right? And so we'll talk a little bit about about what that looks like. But if you want to know who has the highest macros, it's not close. It's it's the performance side, right? Um, performance side for women can get up over three thousand. You know, for guys, forty five hundred. Those things are common. You know, um, it was sort of interesting. We had a, a thread in the private forums, you know, from a few weeks back where um, someone jokingly, uh, well, they didn't jokingly, they were, they made a post about what's the highest anyone's macros have been with the program. And, you know, I will say that we've had some really, really high macros in the past, not, not in the way that we kind of do it now. I think there's reasons why, and I can go into it if, if, if anybody wants to know. So you can ask that, that question of why we wouldn't push things to the extreme the way we might have in the past. Um, that might be a good question. But in general, uh, you know, you don't go into a lot of these groups and people are talking about the most food they can eat, right? And so someone laughed at, you know, in most of the groups, you know, people are talking about, you know, how to get through eating as little as possible. And in our group, you know, someone's asking, what's the most anyone's ever ate? So I'm a little proud of that. Um, but, um, and there's a video that pops up every now and again. I'm sure someone will, will bring it up. Uh, but it was from 2016, I think, where there was like this, a little bit of frustration. You could probably see it in the video um, just because we had been fighting with people about PR. You know, we had described it, you know, we had labeled it and um, you know, it, that video kind of marked a moment in time that changed Eat to perform fundamentally. Right. We, we, just got really serious about who are we, right? And who we are is performance slash recomp. It is getting those macros higher, right? And so from that moment on, really the, the program changed. And so if you were just a chronic dieter and you kind of wanted to be around as part of the fun, you know, like we just wouldn't allow that anymore, you know? If you were going to do Eat to Perform, you had to do the whole program, you know, and it's like, if you're scared to take the medicine, we're just not the place for you, you know, and a lot of it came down to being ready, you know, and then, you know, there wasn't a lot of people that were ready, but we were also a little compliant in the fact that, you know, we didn't want people to go to other places and get bad ideas Right. And so we kind of let people hang around and, 
you know, I wouldn't say that there was a ton of people that we had to fight to stay, but we did kind of dig in our heels and it, it really changed everything. And I think that what all of you are seeing is the result of that, right? That, you know, the program just became more about who we are, right? And so um, it's not a shtick, it's not a gimmick, right? It really genuinely is um, what we know to be true, what science knows to be true. And um, I wanna talk a little bit about the performance piece because, you know, even though obviously if you're eating higher and you're lifting weights, you're performing, but what we're really talking about is cardio, right? And so for cardio, you know, you're going to be able to uh, build up these big reserves. The problem that you run into in that scenario is that it really is just about keeping the muscle that you have, because if you don't get to those higher numbers, your body will view your, your muscle. I mean, it's going to view it as an energy source if you have kind of these long cardio sessions where you know you're training for half marathons and marathons and and these types of things right and without some resistance training maybe you know twice a week you are more susceptible to losing muscle so the point of kind of having that high calorie point for our endurance athletes is so that their body doesn't get to the point where it views you know, the muscle as an energy source, right? So if you have enough available energy, you know, it will consume that and not you, right? So this is the part, you know, there was a, there was a post that we made with a very tall person. Um, I was actually really upset about this because it felt, it felt really unfair to the person. Um, you know, she's been a client for a while. And um, she's done great, you know, and it was an amazing transformation. But, you know, because she's tall and because she was skinny, you know, the um, now she wasn't a runner, but she does look like a runner. Right. Um, part of the reason why, you know, she's not a runner was just because the abs that she has. Yeah, right? even I cannot hear you. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that would be, but um, yeah, so there we go. Anyway, um, that I need to make Hello. sure. Yeah, even I cannot hear. Okay, yeah, please stop that. <laughs> um, we're recording this, and I, you, you might want to check the settings on your computer. Um, but okay, so. Um, yeah, so, you know, I make this post. This woman is really proud of her accomplishments. I mean, she was eating 2,500 calories the good majority of the time. Um, and then, you know, I think people just were, they were being really mean to her, you know. And, um, and I think the biggest reason why they are mean to her was because they were applying a normal template for dieting as if we were glorifying, you know, this person that, you know, under eight, the majority of the time, you know, the time frame was August 
to February. And four to five months, you know, she was eating 22 to 2,500 calories. Once again, she's lifting weights. So she's not these extreme calories like she would be if she were a runner. But, you know, I was jokingly saying to someone on staff that she literally looks like the whole Wisconsin volleyball team, right? So I went to this volleyball game, you know, a few months back, and it was just all these six feet tall, you know, Midwest gals um, that are, you know, naturally lean. And so, you know, her picture was of a naturally lean person. And then, of course, um, through eating in a bit of a surplus, she was able to gain muscle. She had been lean previously, um, but she had always struggled with the reverse part. And that's why, you know, eat to perform was necessary. And so um, there's always some performance level to that. You know, uh, we did have a lot of people within the program kind of step up, which I do appreciate everybody doing that. You know, whenever we feature someone, we do want to protect them, right? And we kind of need the, the whole community to, to help. Um, I don't think the good majority of the people that were being critical actually understand what all of you understand, right? And so when you're looking at recomp and when you're looking at performance, you know, what I want you to think of is we're going to push as much as we can, right, in both instances. But unless, you know, your steps are 30,000 a day or 40,000 a day or something of this nature, your coach is going to lean on the side where we're a little bit more conservative. Now, when I say conservative, I'm thinking 2,500 calories, right? When someone else outside of this program, I remember I was talking to kind of this physique coach at one point, and he was bragging about how he had worked, you know, these three clients that were women of his, uh, female clients of his, and they, he'd worked them up to 1800 calories and it was like, okay, that's, that's like the real low end of the bar for us, man. You know? And so I know that that scares a lot of people, especially if you like came to us and you just started off in fat loss and you haven't eaten 2000 to 2,500 calories since you were probably 19 years old, but it really is kind of the hallmark of the program. And what's interesting about it, is that, you know, there's been a lot of new science that has come out related to um, the role of exercise for weight loss. And the, the long and short of it is it's not great for weight loss, right? And we've known that for years, that, that the exercise portion, you're not doing it for weight loss. You're really doing that for another reason. And the, the reason that you're doing it is because you want to keep enough exercise in so that when your calories do normalize, you're actually able to push that metabolism much, much higher. Right. And so I already talked about in performance, it's a little bit of a muscle protector, right? 
um, when your body is viewing your muscle as an energy source. When you are in recomp, as an example, um, you're hopefully at enough of a, of a surplus to where you're building muscle. And so, you know, for a lot of people, they will think, oh my goodness, you know, am I going to gain weight? I'll, we have to be honest about what that is, right? And it does come down to effort, right? And we will see some people that struggle to get past that 2000 number there. They get stuck at about 2100 or maybe 2200. Um, but maybe they're, um, maybe they're, I need everybody to stay muted the whole time. This is a podcast. So um, we get a lot of background noise and stuff like that um, if we don't do it that way. And so that's why we use the, the chat. Um, and so you'll see people um, asking questions in the chat. And we're, we're getting real close to the Q&A portion anyway. But the, um, and also, um, I'm 53 years old. I only have a few brain cells left. So it's very easy to distract me. I'm like the squirrel and um, um, I'm like the dog in, in the movie Up. Um, but if we were looking at the best way to add muscle per se, right? it would be to actually aggressively gain weight. The majority of people don't want to do that, right? And we know that. And so unless you tell your coach that you want to aggressively gain weight so that you can gain muscle in that process, it's not really going to happen. They're going to kind of hold you back and they're going to move calories up a little bit slower. So that is where you do have a lot of input right so if you're one of these people that really want to push it you know like as an example um, someone really wanted to push it with crossfit um we had uh we had um someone that came back that i used to coach in 2015 when this was more of a concept right and she's come back you know we featured her jolene undershoot um, I would say that uh, um, if you're direct messaging me, I'm probably not going to see it. So make sure that uh, you send that to Carolyn because I'm talking, obviously. Um, there will be moments where I will be able to kind of kind of take a seat back and take a look. But um, unless something is personal to me, it should be something that goes through Caroline. So, um, okay. So just remember that as you're talking to your coaches, as you're, you know, having these conversations, if your coach isn't pushing it, you need to sort of let them know because their main objective is for you to not gain weight, right? Because the majority of people are not here to need to perform a game weight. And so, there's a lot of work that needs to, to, to go into that from our side, but also from your side, right? I mean, I think there's a lot of people that when they look at it, you know, the, the effort piece of 
you know, when food starts to come back, um, you know, it's very, very clear. For weight loss, not great. For to maintain weight loss, amazing, right? And so what I see happening for a lot of people is that fat loss, they're really diligent, right? And they're very rigid and they're getting in their steps and they're doing all the things that they think is needed to happen for weight loss. And then what happens in, not so much in AP, for the most part in AP, which, you know, for those that don't know, is like the middle reset period. I, by the way, I wrote, um, wrote a great post today that talked about, you know, how we're already doing what the future of dieting is, right? Because the future of dieting is basically going to naturally work towards periods where you're not dieting most of the time and only dieting, you know, occasionally, right? But in terms of like logging food, you know, your smartphone will be able to give you your calorie read based on like the heat of your your skin, uh, possibly through your blood, right? I mean, there's going to be so many things that are going to come about based on things that we're doing right now, right? But you can do it right now, right? But eventually, a lot of the framework that we've put in place, like one of the things that's so special about each form is that you know food's coming back, right? And so, so when you think about how we've designed, and I talk about it in the article, how we've designed the importance of the, the periods where you're eating less, you know, it really all comes down to the eating more part, right? And so um, we can get into Q&A now, but I just wanted to really go through that recomp is really, we're trying to get to a slight surplus. We're not necessarily trying to blow you away with calories at that point. I know if you come from under eating that, that, you know, you may have some thought processes of what that might look like. Um, your body wants to be a lot higher than you probably thought, but there is that fear. And I'm just saying that when you come out of a fat loss cycle, don't let out the gas, right? You have more energy. Let's use that energy. And, and specifically, let's use it to either push your endurance or let's, let's, let's build muscle, right? And that, that's the two things that this is all about, right? So let's get into the Q&A. And, and while you're reading, I will try and um, see what this person direct messaged me. So Michelle has a couple questions here. Um, I understand fat loss is supposed to be uncomfortable. Is it normal to be grouchy, have emotional lows, not sleeping in the last few weeks? This seems counterproductive, or do I just need to figure out if the juice is worth the squeeze? She's also asking if you can explain the advantage of taking essential amino acids every day if we're in the green in our protein macros. So there's not really any advantage. Um, some people like it almost as a placebo effect from uh, hunger signaling or whatever. A lot of people like it because it's basically free calories. 
the value of drinking BCAAs is probably more in the water, right? So if you like the flavor of them, um, you know, having the water is probably going to help with hunger. Um, I would say that the sleep thing is not uncommon. It's also not common. Um, I used to think that it was way more common until we started seeing thousands upon thousands of clients. I think a lot of it comes down to your habits, right? And so you got to remember, like when we're designing this program, we're not designing it for, for six weeks. We're designing it for the rest of your life. And so it's possible that maybe some of the habits, like for instance, if you're changing six things all at once, right? Well, now, you know, we might have some issues, right? Some people, you know, if you've been in the program for a long time and we got your calories up and you're scheduling your fat loss cycle, the only thing that's changing is your calories are a little bit lower, right? Um, for a bit. And um, is the juice worth the squeeze? I, I think, you know, coaches really, coaches of the adjustment team do a real good job of this, where if you're not losing enough weight, they're going to suggest that you move to, to PR or at least to AP for a while to see if they can sort of kickstart something. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is probably better to move to PR. So if you're only down a couple pounds and all those things are happening, you probably need to get some habits in order so that you can have more success. Um, so I don't think it's common necessarily for like, for instance, you know, I'm, I have a history of sleep issues, you know, but I've had fat loss cycles where my sleep was fine, you know? And so what's the commonality? The commonality is I had habits in place, you know, and when I didn't have habits in place, you know, all of that became a lot harder. So is the juice worth the squeeze? I think that that's something that you kind of have to figure out for yourself. I will say this, that that's part of the value of six weeks, right? Um, I mean, this isn't like one of these, you know, diet prisons to nowhere, right? Where you're going to have to eat, you know, this way forever. Otherwise, you know, what is it that you can't get the smiles if you don't do the miles? All that stuff is like bullshit. You know, it's just a bunch of miserable people trying to teach you how to be miserable, you know. And I do think that there's a lot of fit people in the world that the only way they know to be fit is to undereat all the time and to not sleep all the time and have all the symptoms that you talked about. But I think if you sign up to this program, the, the worst thing that you can do, you know, is, you know, you lose four to six pounds right out the gate and then you sort of give up because of kind of the symptoms that you're having right then and there. I think a lot of what you're talking about are just signals that you're getting right now that you can learn from as you go. So if you were my client, I mean, I would have to know some specifics, but if you were my client, I'd probably push you to the end, right? Because I think the things that you learn in these moments, you'll look back the next time you do it and you go, okay, so I realized that I had a few bad habits that, you know, like sleeping, you mentioned. Another thing that can happen for people is, 
they'll do like a macro Tetris approach rather than planning the day before, right? Well, if you're not sleeping and you're you're trying to do macro tests, uh, Tetris, you know, now all of a sudden you've got two things going against you that really almost none of us as coaches would do, right? We wouldn't even start fat loss. Like if you think about this, you probably didn't react when you signed up for Eat to Perform, right? Like you didn't have a plan per se that on June 1st or, or you know, not June 1st, um, I'm, I'm projecting towards summer. Um, and I want to circle back to that in just a second. Um, but on March 1st, I'm going to start fat loss. No, it was probably like a combination of a bunch of factors where you weren't necessarily considering some of the other things that, that might have happened, right? And so the, the big idea with Eat to Perform is that you won't be reacting to a stimulus that is happening in that moment, whether you're waking up or whether you went to Nana and Pop-Op's house or, or Las Vegas or whatever it is, right? Um, that caused you to maybe overreact in that moment, right? Where you're not necessarily ready. You can learn a lot of things from the moments where you're not ready, right? So I'm going to check back in and see if she had any follow-ups to that question. Um, but I also wanted to say that part of what this whole podcast was about that I kind of got distracted a bunch of times um, is that Most people are in PR in the summer and late spring, right? And so I wanted people to understand the goal of PR so that when they're in late spring and summer, they're doing the right thing, right? Because I think what happens for a lot of people is they do a fat loss cycle and by March they go, I'm good. And then they've got their calories up to about 1800 and then all of a sudden they come back in September and want to run another fat loss cycle. And it's like, well, if you wanted to run another fat loss cycle in September, you should have stayed with us the whole summer. So we did it right. You know? And then for a lot of people, it's a rinse and repeat deal, right? Because they know they should have stayed all summer, but didn't. Right. And so, you know, it's really easy to, to you know, I mean, the, I did hear a few kids in the background, so I'm not going to say it, but, you know, it's really easy to go to Effenville, um, you know, during the summer and then undo all the progress that you made. Right. And so when we're with you, when there's a level of accountability, it really does make a big difference for almost everyone. Um, Michelle was um, just responding to you saying she normally does sleep great. Um, more of a concern with grouchies and feeling low. It's just not her in that fat loss cycle. So there's a definite depression uh, connection between eating less and depression. If that's what you're asking, 100%. You know, a lot of people have the jokes about being hangry without actually looking into mental health. I mean, just go on to PubMed and type in dieting and, you know, depression 
and you'll be there a while, right? There's been a lot of scientific studies on this. This is also part of why the cycles are so short. Um, you know, just these ideas, like it hurts my heart to think of people in a, in a cutting cycle for six months, right? Knowing the effect that that has on mental health, right? So um, I, I think what you're saying is sort of, you know, kind of the nice version, right? Grouchies, right? It's like saying I'm hangry all the time. You know, we're, we're sort of making light of depression in that instance, right? When you don't give your brain enough fuel and your body enough fuel, um, you know, there are consequences for that. You know, we try to be real honest about that. And, and, and that's actually one of the things that really bothers me about a company like Noom as an example. I mean, I don't need, I don't want to keep jumping on the Noom train every single podcast, but when they say to you that they're providing you some level of psychology or some level of psychologist, a lot of people struggle mentally when they eat less and that feels predatory to me, right? Especially when they're giving you low calories and not providing you a psychologist um, and not mentioning to you that there is a connection between mental health and eating less. So, so is it common? Yeah, it's, it's common. Um, but the good news is, is that it's only six weeks and the majority of the time I will, I will say that a lot of the tips and tricks, you know, if you want to go to the meal planning group, I think a lot of people can help you with tips and tricks. Um, this is, you know, a lot of you who don't know me well might not know this, but I'm actually a big fan of intermittent fasting for these reasons, right? Because I think there's a lot of bullshit out there about intermittent fasting. Um, but the one thing that is really good about uh, intermittent fasting is that you can use it to manage a deficit, right? So as an example, if, if I know I'm going to be dealing with a little bit of mental health, I'm going to be a little cranky, things of this nature, when do I want to be cranky? Go into bed or in the morning, right? So I will actually delay things as long as possible. And everyone's a little bit different. It's well known that women don't do as well um, with, uh, you know, intermittent fasting. There's a lot of people that, that you know, kind of poo-poo that claim. Um, studies show this. Uh, I think, you know, um, I mean, my, my wife was talking about it that, you know, whenever she's tried intermittent fasting, that it just feels like I react to it differently than she did. She does, right? So certainly that's anecdotal. But I do think that there is something related to, you know, um, the way that men are made and the way that women are made that is different. I've just been around it enough to see the differences, you know, and, uh, that probably means that you shouldn't fast as long if you're a woman, or maybe you shouldn't fast at all. But I can tell you one thing for a fact, that the only thing really working is the calorie deficit. It's not the time window. Like all that nonsense about the time window being somehow what magical and there's autophagy happening. Look, autophagy happens in a deficit also. 
even when you're not doing intermittent fasting. Is there value to keeping keeping insulin low? Sure. You know, is there value to keeping insulin low all of the time? Absolutely not. Right. There's big, big. There was actually a study um, that came out this week. And um, the big part of the study is something I've talked about forever, that uh, the cortisol levels for um, clients go up when there's a lack of insulin. So that's one of the roles that insulin plays when insulin is present, cortisol goes away. It's like a handshake almost, right? And so a lot of, a lot of people that low carb, you know, they, they do struggle with cortisol. Um, there was some connection that testosterone actually goes lower. Um, I thought that was a little bit, uh, you know, I talked, talked a little bit about after a few weeks, it actually does come back. So I don't think there's like, oh my goodness, all the low carb people should stop doing it because of, of low testosterone. But the cortisol thing is big, you know, and I talked to, Certainly enough people, you know, speaking of the last, you know, person, you know, where, and this could be a factor in her situation, right? Like when you're taking in less food, certainly you're going to take in less carbohydrate. One of the things that you might want to consider if your sleep is bad is maybe trying less fibrous carbs and a little bit more starchy carbs to see if you can kind of get some of that cortisol out of there, right? And maybe save some of the carbohydrates um, for kind of your last meal or even like right before bed so that um, I need to get Corey to stop unmuting. <laughs> um, but um, that will sometimes help with cortisol and will extend sleep. So, you know, there's roles for you know, eating less strategically and, and, and IF can be used for that. Okay, Carrie has a question. I started with ETP a month ago in PR due to my history. I do the quick gains program for my workouts. No straight cardio to speak of. When I start my fat loss one phase, would it make sense to add cardio in or just keep going with quick gains? I would keep going with quick gains and go as long as you possibly can until you have to modify down. One of the biggest problems, uh, and I would say, you know, it's a tricky one for coaches because you're telling your coach, right? So, so this is my famous one, right? So, you know, I was listening to this podcast with Adam Carolla and he was talking about, um, people that make a million dollars, right. And, and that are unhappy. And he's like, you know, one of the things that happens a lot of in Hollywood is that you'll have actors and, and personalities that were making $5 million on the top end. And then, you know, they start making a million dollars as they go and they're actually unhappy about it. Right. And I think that happens a lot with us where you you're in PR you're eating 2,500 calories and your calories go to 1800 at the top end and it feels uncomfortable, but it's not near as uncomfortable. You know, many, many of you came to us eating under eating all the time. 
that's actually much easier than when you get your metabolism going. Like there's a very popular post in the, in the threat, uh, in the group right now where, um, the person is talking about how their metabolism, they're just hungry all the time. And, you know, their calories are at 2,200. That's common, right? What's, what's not common is to be hungry all the time at 1,200, which is odd, right? But, but, but if you think about how your body, you know, wants to preserve, um, that, that's a factor, right? And so um, I would say don't modify the workouts until you're really feeling it. Don't, don't just panic because your calories are lower and you're a little uncomfortable for the first three days. Um, and what I would do is really focus on steps. If you want to do light jogging, you can, right? But, but I would say like upping your cardio to 20,000 steps and things of this nature, you're eating less. And so now all of a sudden your body is going to be viewing your muscle as more of an energy source. So you really want to protect that. And so really only light jogging and walking would be what I would be doing in a fat loss cycle. Now, there are people that, you know, are big endurance athletes and they do have to keep training in the mix, you know, um, and, you know, that just kind of is what it is. But that doesn't seem like your situation. Okay, Christine's question, you might have touched on all of it already. Um, can we talk about intermittent fasting coupled with the theories and principles behind Eat to Perform? What's your opinion and thoughts? I mean, it's just, it's just you know, managing your calories, right? There's so many people that fail at intermittent fasting that don't realize they have a calorie problem, right? What happens is, is they go for 24 hours and then they hit the drive-through their sodium's at 7,000. Um, you know, they're, they're taking, it's easy to take it. I mean, people don't believe this, but you can take in, you know, 4,000, you go to Wendy's and get 2000 calories from Wendy's and then have a Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And you think autophagy is ma magic is not those 4,000 calories will matter. And you're going to hold on to weight. You know, will you drop, water throughout the day. Yeah. You know, but I think, you know, I'm not a huge fan of low carb. I know there's a lot of people that are in my place that, that want to be, you know, uh, almost political related to low carb. Most people that are low carb, they're just doing it for weight loss. So if you can get weight loss, and eat in a balanced way, in my mind, you're way better off doing it. So much so that we really don't, you know, uh, I mean, will we make some exceptions here and there? Yeah. But you know what? I mean, Becky will admit to, to this. Every time we do, it never works out. Every single time, right? They're way better off just doing a balanced way. and what ends up happening with low carb is that they end up being super low calorie, you know, and then they go off the rails, you know? And so, um, intermittent fasting, I think is actually that it's something that I write about a lot more. Um, and, uh, the other thing about intermittent fasting that I think you're, you're, you're definitely going to figure out is that, when food comes back, 
you're not going to be able to intermittent fast. And that's a good thing. Right. Um, you can, you know, I mean, there are definitely times where I, you know, if I'm eating 3,500 to 4,000 calories, I might want to deal with bigger meals, maybe on weekends or something like that. Right. But what, what happens is if we know that the calories are, are, are the thing, then, you know, you want to make sure that you're eating enough meals to get in enough of those calories. Because otherwise, what's going to happen, right? There's a little voice in the back of a lot of people's head that actually wants to keep them under eating. And so what they tell us is, well, you know, because I'm intermittent fasting, I can't eat all this food. It's like, yeah, you're kind of doing that to kind of set up the scenario where you're not eating all this food, right? And so... You have to be careful. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't always like saying it like this, but if you never take the medicine, you're never going to see the result, right? And so, so if we know that the medicine is eating more food, then there does come a point where intermittent fasting becomes um, a negative when calories are higher. The other thing I'll say about that is that you can become too reliant upon um, energy dense foods, right? And so now instead of eating starches, you're eating a lot of sugar. Um, you know, one thing that is beneficial about eating a lot of calories is you're typically going to get more vitamins, but not necessarily if, you know, can you do it in the Wendy's drive through? Yes. Should you do it in the Wendy's drive-thru? No, right? Um, you want to take a lot of those calories, a lot of those good habits that you learn in fat loss. You learn a lot in fat loss. That was the initial question, right? And then what happens is you're like, oh my goodness, when I'm eating mostly whole foods, this ends up being a lot of food. Yeah, and that's, that's you're giving your body, you know, both macronutrients, but also micronutrients along the way. And so it helps your health. It's going to help, you know, um, satiety, workouts, really everything along the way that's going to allow you to be kind of the, the best version of who you are. So I'm a fan of intermittent fasting. Um, there is an article that I wrote. Maybe I'll try and publish it or send it in the group. But it talks about how to best use intermittent fasting. And this is actually something that that every person that is credible in the intermittent fasting world also believes is that you shouldn't always intermittent fast. And so that's my opinion. Okay, Brenda has a question. She's wondering if you've seen success with clients with PCOS and perimenopause. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> um, for the longest time, PCOS, really the advice was always just low carb, right? Um, there's a million reasons. Now, part of the issue with PCOS and, and menopause in general, I mean, menopause is the easiest thing to answer. Just go to the photos in the group and look at every photo and you go, wait a second, all these people are my age they're, or older, they're in menopause, right? So the idea of, of, you know, moving calories strategically. Now, are we moving calories to 4,000? 
for PCOS and, and perimenopause? Probably not. You know, to say that we haven't, though, would be wrong. Right. Um, there are people that do have that level of activity and they can get away with that. Um, what I think happens in a case of a lot of people with PCOS, and I, I really hope you take this in the way that I mean it, <coughs> is that they feel almost labeled by it as if it's a reason they can't succeed, right? And I was thinking about this a lot, you know, and I wrote about this and it, people didn't really respond to it the way that I wanted them to and I really wanted them to respond to it. But if I could grant one wish to every single person, it would be the ability to prepare. You go, well, what, how does that, what does that mean for PCOS and, and perimenopause? What it means is, is that if I can give you the plan and we can get you prepared along the way, we can make adjustments as we go. Right. And so we're going to try a lot of different things within the basic template of how each form works. And eventually, you're going to have a more whole life. Will you see dramatic weight loss? I don't know your situation. I don't know if you need to lose 50 pounds or 10 pounds or, or what it is. Right. But eventually, you're going to have a better life understanding how, how all this works. And this idea that somehow PCOS or menopause is different, I think harms people because it allows them a label of that's why I don't work, right? And the way that I look at it as it relates to preparation is that preparation allows you to go on the battlefield, do your battle, and then come back with the, the data. And then the changes happen from there, right? But if you never get the data because you say, well, you know, I have this label and this label is stopping me from succeeding, you just don't try as hard, right? And I know you're probably thinking, man, literally I've tried everything, right? The one thing, if you're being realistic, you haven't tried is more calories, right? Um, because that's how most of you come to us right? We're, we're not people's first diet. Let's be real. You know, we're people's last diet. They've literally tried everything to the point of the majority of what you probably experienced with PCOS and, and perimenopause has been actually accelerated because of all the other things that you do. One of the things we saw right out the gate with PCOS clients, because we wrote an article about PCOS very early on because one of our first clients was PCOS. And, you know, she actually worked for us. Um, she still works for us, but in a much lighter capacity. And so her story brought in just all these PCOS clients. And they all saw that once they started to kind of use the system the way it did, you know, way it works. Um, and it only got better as we got better in that process. The majority of the people, um, honestly, very early on, just wanted to not live this rigid life, right? And so um, while they would see success, 
they probably didn't see the success that the people that do it now see, right? Um, just because we just have a much better understanding of how the cycle should work, um, things of that nature. But I would say that the, the majority of people in your situation have been harmed because they eat too low too often. Um, they don't have enough energy to work out. They're working out against what their goals are, right? Things of that nature. So we've had a lot of success, you know, um, is the long story short with people like you. Shauna's asking, if you're in PR and building muscle, will your weight not go up? Uh, yeah, your weight should go up. Um, you know, but it's kind of hard to say, right? Because, you know, um, what, what we all want, right? What you want, what I want, what Becky wants, what Carolyn wants is to be able to build muscle, right? But stay the same weight. So our body fat percentage goes. And there are instances where that happens. And there's instances where it happens, especially for new people new to you to perform. So as an example, let me give you a, a good one. You come to was under eating. Now, all of a sudden you're eating more, right? You're in fat loss, but you're still eating more than you were before. You're able to make progress. You lose eight to 10 pounds. And because your protein is more correct, because you're having carbohydrates when you used to not to, you know, now all of a sudden your muscles fill back up and you end up more lean, but at less weight, right? You get that once. <laughs> you can get it. I will say you can get it at other future times when you kind of, you know, maybe go off plan a little bit, um, maybe not exercise for a bit for whatever reason, maybe you get injured. It can come back, but you really only get it that one time. And the, the one time is just based on you didn't know, right? And now you know. And so now you're doing things more correctly. You're, you're doing sets and reps to build muscle rather than, you know, doing, you know, strength training uh, at one to three reps, right? So once you start to learn these things, you can progress, but you only get that once, right? And then after that, you're going to have to probably be okay with a little bit of weight gain probably to, you know, to put on any muscle, right? And so if you were to ask me, say, hey, Paul, you know, how can I put on five pounds of muscle? The easiest answer to that question is gain 10 pounds, right? Like they, the, you know, famous, I uh, can't, can't remember the name right now, but, you know, like teenage boys would come up to him and, and ask him how to put on, you know, muscle. And he said, well, how much, uh, you know, he said, do you weigh 200 pounds? And the kid would say, no, I'm 160 pounds. And he would say, come back at me when you're 200, right? Because that's the easiest way to put on muscle is just to put on a fair amount of weight. So if you want to gain five pounds of muscle, you're going to have to try and put on 10 pounds. If you're trying to do it to where it's mostly recomp, you can do it, but, but it's a much slower process, right? And will you gain weight in that process? You know. I, I've never been, you know, not honest about this. 
there's always going to be a little bit of weight fluctuation. But what I think happens, if we're all being a little honest with ourselves, is that in previous diets, you lose 30 pounds and then you gain back 40, right? So if with eat to perform, you lose 30 pounds and you gain back five or 10, you're still doing it way better than you would have done before, right? And I think a lot of people that come back to us, that's the story they tell us. Man, you know, I wish I wish I had stuck with all the things that you had said because on my own, I really did struggle and I did gain all the weight back. But with Eat to Reform, you know, I kind of freaked out when my weight went up two, three pounds and then boom, I went to 35, you know? And so I think people, you know, kind of expect miracles. It's not a miracle. You know, if you're going to gain muscle, you're probably going to gain weight. And, you know, is it better to live this rigid life? You know, it kind of reminds me of the, the, um, the quote um, from Ray Dalio, right? That you have to go through the forest of being uncomfortable to live like this amazing life. And the amazing life is not a rigid life, right? And that's the part where I think, you know, people kind of discredit the the sleeping better and the better sex life and, and the better, you know, mental health and all these things when, you know, two to three pounds comes up or weight fluctuates five pounds when you lost 30, you know. Um, if people can be honest with themselves about that and realize that left alone to their own resources, ultimately, without that accountability, they probably are going to go back to where they were previously. And frankly, there's probably a lot of people that did even form that are back to that really rigid life because they were fearful about that two pounds that one weekend, right? And so that would be something I would encourage you to kind of allow yourself to be okay with. Floor is asking, how many fat loss cycles can one do and how much weight can be lost? So over the course of two years, I ran two cycles. Um, in those two cycles, so the the first cycle kind of happened. I, I I was I was able to I was started at two sixty. Just doing anything was better. Was able to lose thirty to forty pounds, you know, without paying a lot of attention. That was the first cut, right? And that was the start of eat the perform. Um, that that would have lasted, you know, like a like it is right now, three months, there was no AP, there was no, you know, I didn't know that stuff, you know. Um, and then my last cut that got me down to, to 149, so I started at 260, got down to 149. Um, my last cut was actually shorter, it was only about two months, um, and it was really just to kind of nail things so I could say it was 8% body fat or whatever. You know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, this was way before he deformed, you know. Um, by the time I got to 149, I was like done. But I was blogging about, you know, the experience of losing 110 pounds, right? So the answer to your question is you can lose as much as you want, right? But there are, 
thought processes that need to change. Like as an example, I'm not 149 now. I'm 195, right? But I've added 35 pounds of muscle to my frame since 149, right? So I, I, I look more like I would have wanted to look. There's a thought process in your head right now where you're thinking, man, if I could just get to 140, man, I'd be happy or I'd have this life that I dreamed that I would have. And it, it just doesn't work like that. You know, um, you have to be open to the fact that, you know, there is no magic weight. Um, you can achieve really any goal that you want, but you can't achieve it just going to fat loss cycle, fat loss cycle, fat loss cycle. That was in the article that I wrote today that we know you can't do three, right? You can only do two. Why do we know that? We tested it on a bunch of people. You know, now if you're coming to was at 250, right, and you were overfed, well, the in-between time might not need to be as much, right? You might be able to get away with three months. I always recommend six months. I suggest to people that they should do six months. We see constantly that the six-month people do a lot better, right? But everybody's in a hurry, and I don't get it. I don't get why, right? Because at the end of the day, I can show you the path in the first cycle, right? In the first three-month cycle, I can show you 20 to 30 pounds. So if you know that and you know with effort you can stay in PR and stay relatively weight stable, then do the math. Whatever weight you want to be, you can be that, you know? But I will tell you that it does get harder as you, like for instance, from 260 to about 180, piece of cake. I mean, it was just unreal how easy it was to do that, right? From 180 to 150, straight hell. My eyes started drooping, you know, um, I, I, I was not hypo at that time. I became hypo as a result. Um, and remember, I'm not under eating most of this time. Um, I'm overdoing it, though, which was taxing my thyroid. Um, and so there is going to become a point where is the juice worth the squeeze? We all go through it, right? Like one thing I've seen with all the people that, that like me, that lost over 100 pounds, right? We all kind of want to get to the end, you know, meaning we want abs. Right. And then you kind of get there and you do it. And as someone who's crossed that finish line, I wouldn't advise really people to do it. I would I would say get get close enough. Right. But make sure that, you know, you're not working out three times a day or whatever, you know, to to reach that goal or you're not really taxing your system, central nervous system or whatever too often. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you can lose any amount you want. I mean, we've had people lose, you know, I mean, I had a guy 550 pounds lose 100 pounds in what, 90 days, 60 days. I mean, it was amazing how quickly he lost weight, you know, so it just depends how overfed you come to us. Okay, um, Armando has a couple questions here. Are tonal workouts 
enough strength training? And can I do double workouts on high days and super days, example, running and strength training? So that's literally the conversation that we just had. Um, Tonal workouts 100% are enough. Um, The problem with two-a-days for most regular people is it's not going to allow you enough recovery. I'd rather see you do four days of workouts that are really, really hard, right? that really kind of, you know, you get to some muscle fatigue and, and, and things of that nature. And then you allow, or, or, and you're doing like different parts of your body. Right. Um, so that you're allowing, you know, your legs as an example to recover, um, or, you know, your, your legs need more time to recover than, than your upper body. So you can work upper body a little bit more. Um, but absolutely you should be fine there. Um, those are, those are fine workouts. Um, and then, uh, I would not recommend, uh, you know, two days, I would actually even keep cardio sort of low, um, you know, because the problem that you run into, if you start to, you know, it's this obsessive drive that we all have to get there faster. And what you see is that the people that are really good at this, the people that have these long-term results, they all rest more than you do. They all eat more than you do and they all sleep better than you do. Right. And so, so, but they have a, a, a disciplined life, you know, that allows them to kind of do that. So if you can slow down that want to be perfect, you'll get there much faster, even though, it, you know, you'll have to, it'll test your patient for a while. Okay, a couple more here. Jennifer is asking, how much do the macros and calories increase when you move into performance recomp? Do you still have high, medium, low days, but they just all go up proportionately? Yeah, so here's the the basic skinny. I mean, we're getting into the speed round here. Um, But uh, the basic idea, right, is we're trying to get you as a woman roughly to about 2,000 calories, right? And if we can do that faster, it's better. It's hard to explain why, but it just is, right? Um, So the jumps tend to be 250, right? Once we get you to 2000, then it slows down quite a bit, right? We're really focused on weight stable at that point. So if you've never done it, if you've never been there, you don't know what it's like, but it is very common as an example for us to, um, kind of every two weeks you're eligible for more food, but it's common to not get food in that scenario. Right. And so you'll see sometimes, you know, it'll move from once every two weeks, um, to, I might have that part wrong. Becky, correct me if I'm no, no AP, you're going to be moving up really weekly. Right. Um, and um, it slows down after 2000. And there are weeks where if your weight is ticking up a little bit or, you know, you went to Nana, Nana and Pop-Ops and, you know, or Las Vegas or whatever, where we're going to allow your weight to come back down. Okay. Um, this last one is kind of file, file specific, but um, I don't have a file here and you, I'm sure you'll touch on this. Um, I was told, go ahead. 
Okay. I was told that I was in a calorie deficit for so long that they say I have to repair my metabolism. Says I have to stay in PR for at least five months. I have a vacation in five weeks to the beach. I've been PR for two and a half months now. Can't I just try to lose five to 10 pounds before I go, then go back to PR? Uh, the carbs that they eat make them bloated and puffy, they say. Mm -hmm. Just to give you a little bit of background, came to us severely under eating. Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, um, I, I get the one, like everything that you're asking for, we recommend against. We don't recommend you go into vacation dieting, right? I know everybody wants to do it, right? And I know why you want to do it, right? You want to take pictures. You know, you want to take pictures and you don't want to feel like you're five pounds overweight. I get it, you know. Um, we're ready to lose you as a client. And, and if I'm saying that to you, you should be going ding, 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 right? Like there just has to be standards that we keep. And we can't tell you and know that you've come to us really under eating. This is just going to be the one vacation, right? Where you're going to do it, you know, you're, you're not going to have that one picture, right? But the last thing you want is to have that one picture. And then, you know, for the next five days, you start eating more and then you gain weight in that instance. Or worse, your family's trying to enjoy vacation and mom's over here trying to eat celery the whole time, right? And so this feels like one of those moments where you're gonna have to figure out who you really wanna be, right? And I'm gonna tell you as somebody, you know, my, my grandmother was this fit woman, right? And I'll try and keep it short because, you know, it's already gone long. Um, but my grandmother was this really fit woman. And I have like this, this picture of her with these amazing muscular legs, you know, and I'm four years old. And I remember going to the zoo all the time with her and things of this nature. And she had an injury. Um, and uh, she became a dieter for the rest of my life. I never remember my grandmother being young and fit. She, she was always old, you know. You don't get to be, you know, the thriving person that gets to eat flexibly by reacting to immediate situations, right? You want to be able to come to, like, if you would come to us, you know, in, you know, October, we'd have you ready. We don't have you ready right now, you know, and, and you do have to pay a little bit of price for all those bad decisions that you made before, but only this one time, right? And I do have good news for you. The good news for you is almost every single person that does what I'm advising you to do, um, they have a much better cycle after vacation. See, most people on this call don't know this, right? But you will know this as a need to performer. You will have a way better fat loss cycle after vacation, right? All these people 
that diet before vacation and they've done it for every year, they do it for a reason. Now that doesn't mean, by the way, you know, that Stephanie, as an example, didn't diet before vacation or that Sarah or some coaches do. But Stephanie went into her vacation with calories at 2,300, right? So, so she had not dieted for a very, very long time. She, you know, had, ran a cycle and then got her calories back up so she could enjoy her vacation with her family. That's what we want for you. And it's not a hope. And then you go, well, I'm paying you. I'm saying to, to you, you are paying me to give you good advice. I'm not going to give you bad advice. And so I'm going to stick to my guns on this one. And I'm sorry that that makes you uncomfortable, but it's necessary. It genuinely is. This is not hocus pocus, right? This shit's real, you know? And I'm just telling you, your kids are going, your kids, your husband, all the people that are around you, whatever your family situation is, they're going to go, that was the year everything changed. That was the year everything was different, right? Because we all got to enjoy food. We got to go eat, you know, and if we can get your calories so where you can enjoy vacation, I got to tell you, that's way better than that one picture, right? And, and so, you know, we're going to do everything that we can to get you to where you can enjoy yourself with your family. But we got to stick by our guns. Otherwise, what are we? Right? We're just noom, you know, telling people that we got this magic trick for you, right? No, we're this is real, you know, and, and this actually does work if you can do it the way it needs to be done. And so I'm not trying to be mean. I hope you're taking this in the way because I feel like this is the most caring thing I could say, right? So once again. <laughs> Once again, the last question is always the doozy. You know. I'm going to go in and talk to her inner file also. Okay, cool. Uh, once again, Becky and Carolyn to the rescue. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody being here. Lots of great questions. You know, um, I wish I had kind of known that there were going to be so many amazing questions and we could have cut the PR portion short. But we, I think we got a lot done here today. And I really, I know a lot of you are new. Hopefully this gives you a good indoctrination of what, you know, this is all about and, and really, you know, how this can change your life. So I appreciate everybody being here and we'll talk to you later. Bye now.